This is episode 341 of the Gold Squadron Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Will, another one, Heckwood. And tonight, I'm joined by Ryan. Onward to season five, Stan Zuski. Onward and forward, off to the next season, big time games ahead. <laughs> James, can we stop talking about Will winning everything yet? <laughs> yeah, it feels like every week all we do is talk about Will when else he won. Well, maybe next week we'll talk about a store championship or when hopefully fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, but introducing as well your Nickel City Draft Season Four champions, the Ascendancy. Your captain, Dread Champ, the top-ranked Rebel player. We also have Colin Miner. Hello. And Sean Bowman. Hey, Team Mom reporting in. Uh, also, uh, should be joining us, uh, hopefully, in a, an hour or so, maybe, is Matt Coggins. Uh, also on the team was Francisco. Uh, we're going to slaughter it. Pin Dina. Uh, and Darren McNally. Uh, rounding out the seven-man squad is myself, William Hegwood. Uh, these seven players battled it out over uh, a lengthy group. Uh, or excuse me. Swiss stage. I wasn't even Swiss. What would we even call it? Now that I think about it. Did Greg have a specific term for the style of league? It was like a I standard season. League. Yeah. Similar to a football season. Yeah, in sports related terms, so, you call that the regular season. Regular season. Yep. Bad, uh, so all seven players battled it out throughout the regular season, ending up at four wins, four draws, and two losses. Uh, we're going to find about find out more about that. But first, before I forget, we got to thank our biggest group of supporters. That's our Patreons. They're the people who actually get uh, us to events, keep our lights on, and they get shareable art from our past projects. You'll have to check it out goldswatching.com or <laughs> I always screwed up patreon.com slash goldsquatching anyways Dread uh, I want to start with you you uh, started the season in the captain's draft uh, can you tell us about the origins of the uh, ascendancy where does the name come from uh, how did you end up being the captain of the team? Uh, well, last season was my first season playing in the uh, uh, draft league for NCX. And I played on a team called the Punishers. And uh, Noah was the captain of that team. And he had conflicts at the end of the season and wasn't going to be able to continue as captain so uh, I was asked and I took ownership of the captaincy of that team. And after talking with Greg, we rebranded the team into the Ascendancy, which was really Greg's idea because he hated all of my ideas personally. <laughs> so um, 
the ascendancy was Greg's idea and I went along and became captain and kind of went through the, the uh, stages of trying to fast track, learn uh, how the league operates, what the differences are between the captain's draft and the player's draft and the different times making trades, trading players, trading draft picks, all of those things starting up until the captain's draft and then the player's draft. Uh, so what is the difference between the player's draft and the captain's draft? Well, uh, hypothetically, the difference is the player's draft is what everyone you know generally knows what that is. That's where you draft players into your teams. The captain's draft is just about the draft order. So the the captains aren't drafting each other, even though we joke about that <laughs> all the time, that I've been trying to draft uh, fish for two seasons now. But um, it is about draft order. So normally you would think everyone just wants the lowest draft order so they could draft first, but that's not always the case because sometimes you trade draft picks and there's it's also a snake draft so it's you know like one through 12 and then back 12 to one again so um there is a lot of strategy involved in your draft picks so picking which order that you draft in is the is the uh, captain's draft okay uh, now, did you keep any players from the previous year? I know that's a thing that captains are sometimes allowed to do. No, since it was a new team, I think, um, I didn't really have any say so in that. The only thing I did inherit was a loss of a draft pick, which was pretty oh, that's painful. Right. That's right. So, so our round two pick was lost because Noah traded in the uh, playoffs last last season for a better player. Actually, he traded Sean away yes, and did. to get another player. And okay. in doing so, he sacrificed the uh, round two draft pick. <laughs> so that was the only thing I inherited was a deficit. Okay. Well, starting start the season strong, it sounds like. Uh, so what, uh, can you tell us anything about, uh, your experience, uh, drafting players, uh, 16 other or 15 other captains were also in the draft, uh, having basically what, 30 seconds to choose one of the hundred players, uh, who offered them up for selection. Yeah, it, it was, it's complicated in the fact that people are trading draft picks the whole time. So um, trying to keep up with actually who has a draft pick and trading up. So I actually did make some trades before the draft started so that I could get a higher round one pick. Really? So I was able to get around seven. I was able to get a, I think it was seven or maybe it was nine. Uh, I was seven. able, I'm pretty sure yeah, I was able to, <laughs> yeah, I was able to trade up and get seven and you were available. So I, I really wanted to try to get a higher round one pick and then try to rest on those 
really my round one pick and myself to kind of be the foundation for the team. But it was, you end up, the coaches, I believe most coaches make a draft board where they separate the players into rounds that they think they should go in. And then they also tag the players with the faction that they're in. So okay. uh, you, you really get, it's really hectic because you're trying to draft a specific player that you think is good, but you're also trying to draft a specific faction that they want to play. So you try to run this balance as this, you may have a good player who you think is really good, but he doesn't play resistance, for example. You know, his mm -hmm. top three factions are, aren't resistance, but you need a resistance player. So uh, in round five, that's actually what I did. I drafted Colin, and Colin, I think you can speak to this too. I mean, uh, the Republic wasn't even one of his th top three factions, but I thought he was a steal at round five so i drafted him into the republic even though that wasn't one of his listed factions interesting so you're having to balance both needing all seven factions well six more factions because of your your the cap the uh captain would play a faction uh oh which is very interesting uh did um did any of your other picks not uh go for their faction uh no i mean everyone besides colin was drafted into a uh, faction they wanted to play except for fran um yep. i did not have i lost a draft pick so i didn't even have uh six draft picks so there were other teams that had excess draft picks so Fran ended up being an end of the draft, uh, I don't know, gift. Like a, like, or, a free, like a free agent all of a sudden. Right. Yeah, he was assigned, uh, Andre from the Firebirds assigned Fran to my team at the end of the draft. Fran was actually the last drafted player in the entire league, and he... And Scum was not his um, preferred faction. And so he was drafted, got sent to me, and then got assigned Scum. So he was really placed in a bad situation. But he was relatively unknown. So that's why he went last. Uh, yeah, we can... I think we can pull up, actually... Um the uh the standings but uh fran uh actually did pretty good uh do you have um do you have him in uh darren's record for the, the yeah, season yeah i do um so i mean just overall if we're just talking about the season as a whole and how the ascendancy performed it's truly an underdog story because you would think the best team is is probably a combination of several factors. You would think, one, it's the team with the best draft picks. And that definitely wasn't the ascendancy. 
because the ascendancy I only had a round one, a round three, two round fives, and a round six. And then a gifted player, which would essentially be a round six, but also turned out to be the last player in the draft. So for our team, only having a one, three, two fives, and a six, that was definitely a setback. Um, and then also you would think the advantages would be the captain's ability to steer the team into draft picks. But, you know, we made it into the wildcard round and we were away three of the last four series in uh, the playoffs. So we did not even get to pick our, our matchups for 75% of the, the games. Um, yeah, that, that's so, actually something I wanted to, to talk about. I'm glad you brought that up. But the, uh, to focus on that for a second... Uh, as as non-captain, I, I don't know what uh, exactly happens uh, when you are the away team. So what does the home team send you uh, in that situation? Well, in, in the regular season, there is a little strategy involved with the away team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not much, but the home team uh, in the regular season the away team presents a player and then the home team matches that player and assigns a scenario. And you go through that process. So the only strategy you have is which players you present and you're benching one of your seven players. So for instance, if the home team really wants to match you know, someone versus one of your better skilled players, you might be benching that player, you know, and that kind of messes up their assignments. But when you get into the finals or the playoffs, it's much simpler than that. And it's much more difficult for the away team because the home team just assigns every match and every scenario. So in the in the playoffs, the home team has a large advantage. So they're they're doing a hundred percent of the parents then. The away team yes. has no say in the matter. Yeah, the away team has no say in the matter and has no ability to try to even throw off the pairings. Although wow. We should note, I believe in season five, there is going to be a slight change to that. And I don't remember what it is exactly. It might be the away team gets to veto one scenario. Is that right? Right. Yeah, that's what we're talking about for initiating in the in the playoffs next year. But that's still kind of a minor. It is. But, you know, the league is always evolving and, and right. improving and expanding so something to mention for the folks out there who may be interested in joining next season good to know i mean that's uh the home advantage in the regular season uh eventually like trades off you'll be home sometimes and away some 
other times. Uh, but in the finals, it came down to uh, what uh, season standing. Yeah, overall standings. So the um, the the actual record of the ascendancy versus uh, five straight boost, who was who we played in the finals. Our records were actually the same, I believe, but the difference came down to total wins. Mm, so the ascendancy yeah, had, one. yeah. So f- five straight boost actually had more wins than we did. Uh, so they were home and got to make the picks. Yep. And that margin was three individual wins more than the ascendancy, by the way. Really? Out of yep. Well, how many games? Ten weeks. Eighty, probably eighty to eighty-six games, because well, in the finals, in the finals, you know, not all of the series went to seven games, oh, because because I believe five straight boost actually swept the Firebirds. Uh, in the previous yeah. round, yeah, they had in uh, the conference. They swept yeah. the foxes. They did. Oh, the foxes. And and keep in mind, those standings are just based on regular season, right? So mm. out of the, what, 60 games we played, they had three more wins over the regular season than we did. And that was the deciding factor for who was mm-hmm. home versus away. That's it. I mean, if you look at, because I've looked over the sheet, probably too much if you look over the stats and try to figure out like what makes a team perform and what could um, indicate their performance in the playoffs uh, I think the only stat that's going to stand out is overall total points scored Mm -hmm. which is points scored in the game which was five straight boost and the ascendancy were the two top scoring points teams and even then the difference was 40th point across the season yeah across you know 60 games yeah i mean the parity in the league is really kind of amazing i mean with the amount of uh, high-skilled players uh, being drafted in each team. Uh, every, every team was fighting for any wins. Uh, with the regular season being uh, six games, so many draws happened. I mean, the Incense had four total draws for the season, and that's that was even like an outlier stat. Uh, that was like the average, it seems like, for most of the teams so getting those four wins uh that uh the fourth win uh for the week as well really made the difference though um just kind of speaking in general generality uh we also had to go through the wild card round uh because we were what third in the division is that what forced us into um we were yeah third in the division second in our conference 
I believe that's that right. was. Yeah, because we, we or, were first or, in our conference. That's why we had to do... Or or third in the conference, second in division. I'm I'm not sure which terminology is right there. But yeah, Hot Shots took our, our grouping by storm. And then we had some amazing seven-game series, the first two series in wildcard and division. Uh, yeah, well, both of them going to uh, to the seventh game. Yep. Uh, very, yeah. very close. As far as, you know, the, the underdog status of the ascendancy, the, you know, our two players, um, Darren and Fran, who were both uh, round six draft picks, really did their part in the regular season. They were both three and four. And that's really good considering the positions they were put in because Fran is playing a faction he doesn't play. And Darren is, you know, his performance level was actually higher than people uh, around him at that level. He actually had a positive uh, point spread which means he actually scored more points than he lost over the course of the seven games he played. So those two guys, even though in the playoffs, uh, their performance records weren't great, uh, in the regular season, they actually got us into the wildcard spot, which put us into a position to win. Very true. I mean, it takes all seven players, right? Uh, to make yeah. It yeah, absolutely. It um, and, you know, and everyone really did their part um, in the finals. You know, we did have three players that were four and oh in the in the playoffs. And I mean, Will, you weren't even given a shot to be four and oh, because you only no. played three games. No, that's but okay. but, uh, you know, Matt um, has been deemed the MVP of the finals and the playoffs because he had such a hard start at the beginning of the regular season. I think he was three and six. And toward the end of the season, um, you know, I was just trying everything possible to try to get him in a better situation to get some wins playing the resistance. And I ended up, you know, talking to him and telling him that I was just going to start giving him the hardest matchups every week, just basically to throw him under the bus and say, hey, look, you know, if, you, if you're not going to win, then I want you to take out at least their ace player. And I did that for strategy reasons, but I also did that because he was so stressed out over his games, it seemed like that I thought maybe reverse psychology would work in his situation. And he turned it around and just started winning games he was never supposed to win. I mean, he beat Doug Howe twice. And, um, I mean, it was just, he just went insane toward the end and just won out every game after that point. That's awesome. I mean, there's uh, a certain amount of um, 
you know, like that recklessness that you, you sometimes need to win an unwinnable match. Well, he also plays uh, unconventional resistance. I mean, he plays yeah, uh, fly, fly boy Poe and Ray. Yeah, was he playing and, that most of the season? I saw him yeah, his game the whole against, season. Uh, Biddy about it. Uh, Mark yeah, the whole season. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. He flew that the whole season. I mean, that is a high ceiling, low floor list. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching one of his games, just flying with two Y Wings and just, uh, yeah, uh, acing people with his ray. Being able to dodge arcs and uh, he. In the game against Mark, he rotated his arc sideways too, making some wild plays uh, to make sure that he was getting the win. But I mean, that's kind of the same thing of like if you know you're going to lose, if you're set up to lose, uh, the the wild decisions don't seem as crazy anymore. Yeah, I mean the, I mean once again, I mean in the playoffs, I didn't really have any control of the pairings, but Mark is. I mean, he just came off of a um, undefeated uh, role in the XVT and won the whole thing in the XVT when it went undefeated playing Rebels. So, um, I mean, I I wanted Matt to win, but I didn't expect him to. Sure. I mean, that's the uh, that's the reason why he got uh, MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hopefully he can... He said he would join us later, but... Um, uh, hopefully he can he can come on. Uh, uh, well, what about uh, your individual experience, uh, Dredd? Uh, what did you think of the regular season? And uh, you were flying Rebels. Uh, why, did, why did you choose Rebels uh, for yourself? I mean, I'm pretty much Rebels for life at this point. So uh, I've just been focusing on Rebels and Rebel Jank for years now and trying to refine something more and more each time and not play Han. So, um, But the interesting thing is with the League is that you actually know in advance which scenario you're going to play and the lists are not locked. So it really gives you the opportunity to build scenario-specific lists and build uh, faction-specific counters. So, you know, for instance, if I'm playing against a Republic on my choice would be to play Salvage because I've spent most of my time practicing and refining a alternate salvage salvage list. And you know, I would pick salvage because that's that's a that's a scenario most people don't like. Most people on the team don't want to play salvage. So I just tried to make a salvage specific list and play that. Um, but then if I get matched up you know, some, you know, half the games or actually more than half the games are not my choice. Then I play another list that's more specific toward that specific 
scenario and faction I'm playing against. So, um, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's there's a lot of strategy involved and a lot of practice and reps that go in, but it's still a dice game that comes down to it. And, uh, you know, so you just try to do your best and mitigate the dice variance. And uh, I try to do that with, you know, various defensive tech that I use. I mean, Avon is pretty much in every list that I fly. So I was going to say, you got to have your Avon. Uh, you're flying uh, Gavin most of the time as well. Not Garvin, the X-Wing. Gavin, the E-Wing. Yeah, so for, um, for Salvage, um, I'm generally playing a six-ship uh, Gavin list with uh, Target Sync. And the way I set up is I have the ability to take four crates on turn two, or I can joust. So I kind of make that decision after turn zero, because more of my ships are low initiative. And, uh, and a lot of my ships have the ability to um, offset crits as well. So I fly Zeb in the attack shuttle who nullifies crits before hits. And I also fly um, Sabine with uh, Beskar plating as well. So I'm trying to, you know, take as many crates as possible or joust with the target sink from Gavin. So he's producing tons of crits on every shot that's coming in. So, um, it's a very, uh, I don't know that it's an overpowered, but it's a very specific list towards salvage. I mean, that that's just one of the advantages you had to try to win over your opponent is that scenario selection. So I think that's actually very smart um, to... Uh, to focus your list building, knowing that you have to pair somebody into salvage every week um, when when you have uh, the home field advantage. Um, makes right. Makes a lot of sense to me. You know, and there's my teammates don't want to play salvage, and my opponents no. generally don't want to play it either. So it seems like a perfect place to really focus my attention. I love it. Uh, that's the that kind of in-depth thinking um, you had to go into the pairings with. Yeah, so the pairings, when you are home, I mean, it is a complicated... Um, I, I don't know what the other co that the other captains are doing, but it is a complicated math puzzle that you're trying to to fit because, I mean, I'm playing Rebels... I'm generally going to play salvage, but I don't want to play against FO for the, you know, one in a hundred chance they would bring tyranny and just completely nullify everything I'm trying to do with Gavin. So, sure. you know, I'm not playing against FO and then I won't, you know, the Republic and the empire to play on a scenario that doesn't require actions 
generally because they need their actions. So they're either going to play on chance or assault. And then that leaves scramble. Generally, you want a higher initiative list to play scramble. So I'm trying to focus maybe FO into, into a scramble scenario. And then I want to match them up against someone with lower initiative ships. You know, so it's this constant matchup. And then it's not just the factions and the scenarios that you're trying to pair together, but you're also trying to pair players. You know, you don't want your mid-tier player playing against their ace necessarily. You know, you want either your ace to play against their ace or you want to do some sort of like what we call Matt to act as the goon or executioner, you know, to put someone who you didn't expect to win to take their ace off of the table. So it's this really complicated. And then in the regular season, you don't even know which player your opponent's going to bench. So if you have a specific pairing that you want, like, hey, I want to play their best player, well, maybe their best player is on the bench that week, and then you inten- you unintentionally ice yourself. So it can get complicated. It sounds like it. Uh, so many decision factors going into it, uh, which is really... Uh, <laughs> Uh, what, what, Dred, how would you describe why we were winning away games? What do you think the, is the real cause of that? I mean, I've looked at it. Like I said, it's not the draft because we, we didn't have a good draft mm-hmm. and it's not the, it's not your captain's ability to lead your team into pairings because when you're away, you don't have a choice. So it's not even really the perceived skill of the players. Because if you look on paper, if you look at the ascendancy versus five straight boost, five straight boost had four players in the top 12 of the entire league. And the ascendancy only had one in the top 10. I mean, that one was me, of course, but... You know, enough said on that. <laughs> the if you look at the strength of the players, five straight boost had a much stronger team. So, what possibly could it be that had us uh, performing so well? And the only thing I can really come to is morale. You know, morale and a belief that we could win. You know, I was always trying to encourage our players figure out you know, what they needed, keep them encouraged. You know, Matt got on a hot streak and believed it, believed again. And uh, we just believed we could win. And we went into every, every matchup thinking we could win. I mean, I guess, I mean, that sounds like fluff, but <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah. there's nothing else that can explain it. I mean, no, I, I would I would right. agree. And just from my standpoint, right, I'm I'm a team guy. I like to be in there chatting with the group and 
building those relationships, encouraging and bouncing ideas off people. And, you know, I, it's kind of silly to say in a digital forum, but I think that can help and build that camaraderie, if you will. And it felt like we were a team. So I, I think that does have a lot of intangible reality to it. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, bouncing list ideas off of each other, checking in on uh, each of us to try to get in practice games, uh, watching each other on Greg's stream as well. You know, the, uh, watching back those games and seeing um, everybody, you know, rooting for myself or whoever's playing on our team. Uh, those oh, little yeah. things really do matter. Yeah, and I know during the finals week, I think I had, what, three or four practice games with different folks on the team just to kind of help them out. And while I can play and fly a lot of the stuff out there, doesn't mean I'm great at it, but at least I can throw some things they might see out there and give them a sense of what it could look like to at least help prepare. I know on Colin's game where he clinched it for us, we, we ended up playing a practice game and the list I threw together wasn't too far off what he ended up seeing, I think, which was fortunate. And I can't speak for Colin about how well it helped, but I like to think it at least helped a little bit. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, so and I, that week, uh, we, oh, we gave Dread practice games with Empire. So, you know, he would have a sense of what he was facing against Rob. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, I mean, really just putting in the work um, and trying to find what advantage you can get uh, against your opponent when you're stuck with uh, maybe an unfavorable matchup or scenario. Uh, I want to uh, uh, keep going uh, with the individual talk, but James, Ryan, uh, I don't want to leave you guys out. Uh, any uh, thing that has come to mind? Any questions that I'm not thinking of at this moment? Uh, nothing immediately that I can think of. Um... I actually, so for the ascendancy, what is the ascendancy's outlook for season five? How do you feel about your like? Do you know your draft picks available right now and everything? Is that already known? Yes, that's that's already known. Uh, we actually should be in better shape uh, for next season because um, I didn't trade away any draft picks this season, so I have a. One, two, three, four, five, six, and uh, the next season we're actually going to have seven rounds. It looks like at least. So um, there'll be more players on the teams uh, for next season. So the ascendancy actually looks to be better, um, and I get the ability to keep one of my players. So I will be trading off probably a draft pick to keep a player on the team, but I mean, um, it's not official yet, but, uh, 
you know, I would have to trade a, a round four pick to keep a round five player, which seems pretty easy decision for me at this point. I can only keep one. So, uh, unfortunately, Will, you're too expensive to keep. So I was going to say, I think, I think you got to, it's not going to be you. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's fine. I understand. Yeah, you got to evaluate the uh, value deals, you know, you never yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. As, as cool. It's, it's interesting to hear that, like, the ascendancy had just won, and you feel even better about this year's draft than last year's. So I mean, next year's draft, uh, you know, Brendo definitely has the best team on paper. Uh, you know, we've kind of joked about him tanking this season to build uh, season five into an incredible team. And he has some incredible draft picks. I don't. I think he has like four round ones, and he might have wow. more than he might have more than that. But you know, the Firebirds had uh, the first and second overall pick of the entire draft, and they did make the playoffs, but they didn't even make it to the finals. So, you know, and we're proof that it's not necessarily the drafts that you get. It's what you do with them that matters. Very true. Very true. Uh, during the year for ascendancy, it's, I, I believe there's a certain time where you're allowed to move players onto different factions. Uh, did you make any of those adjustments? And if so, what were they? No, we didn't. And that's primarily because I'm playing rebels and I'm stuck with rebels. So, I'm not going to play a different faction. I mean, I could, but I just feel like my advantage is playing Rebels. So you kind of know that going in to the Ascendancy that you're kind of going to be stuck playing your faction for the whole season. Um, and when you do keep in change... mind, oh, sorry. When, everybody when... changes. Yes, yes. So Oh, that's, that's what, what it was. What, I, what I I forgot everybody to. had to change. Yeah. yeah. Right. You make one change I think everybody the, does. The only exception is I think if you trade for a player or trade a player away and the person coming in is in a faction that's already taken. Um but that's a little more complicated, I think. Yeah, I mean, some behind the scenes, you know, to kind of give a peek in the behind the scenes, uh, toward week three and four, I was actually in discussion uh, to trade for um, Ozagal. So uh, I just, and I was, Oz, and uh, Ozagal would be playing resistance, so I would have traded Matt away. And I just didn't want to do that because, one, I just kept believing that Matt was going to – I felt like he was a good player that just was underperforming, and I didn't want to put myself behind the gun for next season by losing a draft pick. But there were serious discussions um, to make that trade, and that trade did actually happen between five straight boost. So um, – uh, Ernie got traded to five straight boost uh, at some point during the season. I don't know what round that was. Interesting. Uh, I like the commitment uh, to just, you know, uh, whatever you had planned. 
Uh, but that is a good forewarning for anybody that you do draft uh, or a prospective player for the Ascendancy next year is that they're, they're not going to get those yeah. rebels. Yeah, you, well, you could actually because uh, we're drafting a seventh player. That's so cool. it looks like we're going to have a team with two factions of the same faction uh, next season. So it looks like it's going to be that way. So there's a possibility, but you're probably going to be, st- if you're on the ascendancy, you're probably going to be stuck <laughs> with the faction you get for the whole season. Which can be good and bad, honestly, because if it's not a faction you're familiar with, it gives you the freedom to explore and experiment and, and learn. Albeit, it can be a learning curve, as we saw. And if you're playing a faction like, say, First Order, um, it can feel a little stale after a while because First Order, Resistance, CIS, Republic, I mean, Republic's probably in a better spot with some of the variety. But with certain factions, it feels like there's not a lot of open space to explore. And the deeper you go in the season, when the games start to feel like they matter more, you do feel like maybe experimenting now is not the best choice, right? So, for example, I wanted to take an Upsilon at some point during the season. I just couldn't find the fit to do it. So I didn't I didn't put an Upsilon on the table, except maybe in a practice game or two. And I was known to have heart-to-hearts with players at times. <laughs> he was. Like, hey, yeah. uh, I need you to win these games. Uh, I don't know what you got to do. If you got to play meta, then you're going to have to play uh, meta. I remember, yeah, my... Uh, so go, going back to, like, uh, our, our individual experiences, I'll keep mine quick because I was kind of giving updates throughout the season. But uh, that is one thing I, I do remember, Dredd, is... Uh, I had, I think I was trying, I tried out like a Lambda shuttle and a Whisper because it was extended. And then, uh, what was I, oh, uh, James, I was working on that, like seven TIE Fighters, no, six TIE Fighters and two Bombers list. And I was just getting too, too experimental, too, too silly for my own good. And uh yeah dread you're like what is there any matchups i could get yeah is there any practice games you need like uh, what can i uh do to help you get some wins in which was like eye-opening for me i was like okay yeah i have been getting a little silly lately with my squads um and that's actually what's interesting is that i started the season like assuming that i was going to play x1 vader like all season and like that was kind of like uh, I was going to rotate in the different pieces, kind of what I was doing in store championship um, tournaments I had gone to. Um, but uh, once I had started looking at what other people were being successful with in Empire, that's why I actually started flying uh, the the Decimator. Ryan, you mm-hmm. and Doug were on the Decimator uh, with the Death Troopers and Bombers. And that, uh, I had to, uh, do, do a lot of practice for rack the bombers I was pretty familiar with, but, 
uh, do some practice getting rack into that death trooper zone, doing things like that. Um, of some riding that line between keeping rack safe and yeah. in the fight. Uh, yep. But I found a lot of success with it, honestly. And for the most part, I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was a little feels bad. Uh, the whole Darth Vader into ships, but <laughs> Empire's Yeah, great, it, so it, it, it is. Good. But that no does the point, Will, I do want to want to raise and for anybody who might be considering signing up or looking at signing up for season five right uh, 10 weeks is, is a lot and is a long long season even though you're only usually playing one game a week right mm -hmm. uh, don't get in your head don't overthink it right why why something you're comfortable with if you're not comfortable experimenting do that in your side practice games to find out what you like but you know, just don't overthink it. it. It doesn't have to be rocket science. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be stressful. Just buy something and have fun. That's the goal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I ended up doing more like uh, what kind of ended up being like meta stuff. But I don't think that was like um, the staple for the season. I think most people were trying. I mean, I kept flying like pretty much a different list every week. But... Uh, I think the, for the most part, people were uh, finding Variety. their own style uh, that yeah. uh, really worked for them. Uh, Sean, what, what were you flying most of the, the year? So I was first order, and I flew mostly five ship first order. Um, typically, uh, Kylo and the um, Whisper. Uh, some variant there, usually Barrage Rocket, LeHughes, Magpulse, Malarith, and then depending on the situation, uh, some variety of um, two other ships, either like Midnight, Gaelic, Scorch, uh, some things with Assault or whatnot, I might fly a six-ship list, but generally that was kind of the, the formula I stuck with most of the season. Um, just because you start looking at a four-ship list and it runs into certain problems in some scenarios. and so, But I had fun with it. Uh, did you ever end up flying that Epsilon? Never did, huh? Uh, not, not for an official game. Um, <laughs> although I will say last year was also my first year last season. And... Noah, as mentioned earlier, traded me from the Punishers to uh, what was the predecessor to the Firebirds, the Tender Gods, Nick Sperry's team. And they, they were kind of out of it at that point. So one week I had a game with Assault, and I said, ah, what the heck. So I ran an Upsilon and three Z shuttles just for the kick. And it was hilariously not good, but it was fun. Well, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? As, as, yeah. much, as, as much as winning is fun, having fun is also having, uh, the Absolutely. And none of none of the people I played against were were uh, poor sports or, or not people I wouldn't play again. We've got some great folks in the league. Um, if you're a newer player, it's an absolute godsend for getting better because there is talent up and down the board from every level from 
we had guys that were brand new to the game, had only played a few games coming in. And we had world champions from Ollie Pocknell and, and on down. So you have a huge range of skill levels. And with the team, you can really hone in what you want to do, practice it with your teammates, bounce ideas off, build that camaraderie, and just go learn and get better. And that's a great thing. I mean, that's the, that's the advantage of doing like a long-form team event rather than like an individual. There's no one rooting for you. There's nobody uh, really helping you practice and get better. Uh, so exactly uh, the, the there's team... always something to root for exactly yeah yeah uh colin what about you what were you flying during the season i uh, got drafted into republic a uh, faction that i really didn't have much experience with prior to the draft league uh, so it took a little bit of getting used to I started out with the the standard Annie and three arcs and something else for seasoning, mm -hmm. um, but experimented a little more and ended up with the final list um, having no arcs at all that last game. Uh, I like the flexibility of a uh, higher ship count. Yeah, what did you end up, uh, what was Ada's? Uh, what else was yeah, the uh, squad that you ended up flying? Um, Annie and Obi, the Edas, um, the two Initiative 5 B-Wings, the Mace, and the other Jedi ships, and then Slider. Uh, pretty cool. Just gave me a lot of room to barrel boost and kind of circle around to get a good shot in what I needed it. And then the, just having three-point V-wings and dedicated on slider uh, let me make you know, the opponent work really hard to get half points on a three-point ship. Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's three agility, uh, except for just the two-pointer. Yeah, poor slider. Difficult. Uh, I'm sure he was doing doing his uh, other clones proud in those games. <laughs> he did his job. Uh, saved me definitely in a couple matchups with that dedicated. Just one thing on Colin. I don't know that he would speak for himself, but he was the best overall performing player for the ascendancy for the entire season, including the finals and playoffs. Yes, yes he was. Wow, nicely done. Thank you. It was, it was good getting in practice with the team and finding out, you know, even a list that I thought might work, what worked better with it. I had a, a game with Sean uh, before the final and figured out a better way to deploy and sort of approach the center objective in chance. And I think that worked out really well for me, getting that extra round in. Uh, yeah, because Dredd said he was feeding Republic, what, chance and assault, so you wouldn't have to press any buttons. Yep. 
Uh, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, I was in the same boat. Uh, I don't think I ever... Uh, yeah, it was only on, like, the away matchups. Um, I think, actually, only, like... I, I think two games out of the entire season, I didn't play Assault or Chance Engagement. Yeah, I had a lot of Assault, some Scramble, some Chance, but it was a lot of Assault as well. Yeah, Joe, do you... So it's six games... You you do have to feed. You just double up on two scenarios. Then is that right? In like the regular yeah, that, season. Yeah. So you you had to represent all the scenarios, mm-hmm. and then one of them had to be represented twice. And then in the finals, you had to represent two, because in the finals it was seven games, or in the playoffs and the finals, there were seven games. So you would have two scenarios twice you couldn't have one three times right that's right yeah four scenarios so was which scenario did you never double up on or what did it change each week well we only did pairings once (laughs) yeah i only did pairing i only did pairings one time so i think we did i think i think you know we just did salvage and then, you know, generally chance and um, assault are more favorable, you know. So, you know, and I always tried to match you against scum once you start playing um, rack because rack with death troopers and Vader is just a nightmare to fang fighters. Yeah. Uh and people were flying Fang Fighters. I was waiting for Ernie to bust out some like Boba Dengar or something, but I didn't have a chance to play him to see what he to see what craziness he would have brought. Uh, James, you've been notably quiet except for uh, <laughs> asking Greg questions. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should bother Greg. No, Is that okay? That's, no, can, <laughs> that's totally fine. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, um. You didn't have any questions, anything come to mind? Uh, something we might have missed out on for the draft league conversation? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think uh, I think most of my thoughts lay ahead uh, as I'm looking forward to season mm. five. You and Ryan got the itch. So, yeah, so James, I did want to ask you, this, this was your first season with the league, right? It was, yeah, and I, and honestly, I just got thrown in at the last second because Will was like, "Hey, go sign up for this," and I was like, "What is this?" And he was like, <laughs> "It's a league thing," and I was like, oh, "I'm really not a fan of leagues." Um, <laughs> uh, Did I, it change I, your mind? Oh yeah, it definitely changed my mind. Um, I had a great time. I I think I will be a lot more excited for next season because I actually know what's going on, like. Because I signed up, and then like one day, Will was like, "Oh, you got like, hey, second you got round." Dread- <laughs> second round. And I was like, "I don't even know what that means." Uh, <laughs> and then I went and looked, and I was like, I started watching, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the- I was like, "You're on the seafood consortium," and you're like, yeah. "What?" <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I don't know the what words yeah. did you just say to me? Uh, and I go in there, and this guy's painting a tree. Uh, for me, yeah. <laughs> I was yes. like, "All right, I'm in. Like, let's go." 
good. Yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. I was def- yeah, definitely had a great time. Very, uh, very excited for um, season five, and uh, actually going to be able to <laughs> watch the draft with like knowing what all watch. these things mean. <laughs> watch the draft, weren't you? Yeah. Captain and team. And- Didn't you volunteer to captain the team, James? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was actually just talking to Greg about it. Uh, I think when I f- first nice. signed up, uh, I put. I want to say I put like no, <laughs> but I, I said if, I had, if absolutely I, necessary, which like yeah. most people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I had him change it to I, I would not mind captaining, so I think it'd be fun. Nice, and I see Ryan is going to join us this season, so that's awesome. Yup. Yeah. So I, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And I also yeah. prefer not so, to be a captain for my first season. I'll let it. Uh, I'll let it play yeah, out. Yeah, I'll, I'll be yeah. in his team and catch some dubs. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Just enjoy the experience, right? Immerse yourself. And, you know, I know that season five is coming up, and Will, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that, so, and I'm sure you'll get to it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, but for anybody considering it, having heard you speak about it over the, you know, past few weeks or so, if you're unsure, come join the Discord, check it out. It's a great group, and, and jump in, have fun. Everybody who signs up is drafted. That's true. That's what Greg was just saying. That's why we're able to allow these uh, extra players for the team, uh, which is nice because you don't have to um, say you're going on week vacation or something. You know, we just get a substitute. So now even even more flexibility in uh, in those games. Yeah, because life does happen. Uh, it happened a few times. I, in fact, I think I subbed in for Darren one week because he had something come up where his schedule didn't align with his opponents. And so instead of my bye week, I filled in for him and happy to do that. So, you know, there are ways if life happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, X-Wing is very important, but, you know, when you do have uh, real-life things to attend to. Absolutely. One of my favorite, one of my favorite things about the League, um, it's probably, it probably is my favorite, is, you know, the fact that, I mean, this is a very family-friendly uh, podcast, but uh, Nickel City Draft League is very adult-friendly, and I embrace that throughout the entire league. And um, yeah. and trash talk is at a premium. And, and encourage. And I encourage my team members to jump into the Draft League general chat and call their players out, call their call the opposing team out. And uh, make it known who we're playing against. Uh, you know, I it's it's hilarious and fun for me, and uh, you know, it's it's a very enjoyable side of of the game as well. It really does bring back the human element in a way to the digital experience, which is awesome. And whatever you put into it with your team makes it that much more enriching. I can't speak for other teams and what their engagement level was, 
but I know I was in our team chat every day at least a couple times just chatting up people. So uh, yeah, I mean it's just uh, an instant community uh, all at uh, at the ready for you, uh, Sarah. I think pretty much everybody. It, it sounds like we all improved uh, over the season uh, through that hard work. So uh, with that uh, kind of effort, anybody should be able to uh, improve their game. Uh, even if you're not looking to improve, you're just looking to have some fun, play play some games. You can still do that too. We're open. Uh, Matt would make an appearance. But I don't think he. I don't think he ever set that alarm, huh? Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. That's okay. Maybe we'll stop in uh, as we round out uh, this uh, the draft league talk. Uh, do you want to look forward to season five? Uh, and uh, I'm pulling all this information from Greg's Discord, the Nickel City X1 Discord. But as a note, you only have until February 1st for signups. Um, there is a captain's draft on uh, the 6th. The week after that is the player's draft. And then finally, on February 19th, week one begins. So a quick turnaround there from when you're drafted into when the season starts but you will have uh, at least your faction known uh, for uh, the beginning of the season uh, before it actually begins you'll just be waiting on uh, your captain to give you a pairing so I'll have the uh, links in uh, hopefully the description of the video uh, and uh, the podcast. If not, uh, they'll be posted in GSP's own Discord as well. Love to support uh, Greg in this endeavor. I know it's a huge amount of work. Got a custom season, uh, decals or logos for every team, intro videos. Greg's really put through uh, a lot of effort. So, the true hero uh, and winner, honestly, of every season is Greg. So I have to absolutely make sure we give him a big shout out. Uh, well, uh, well, we can wait for Matt here, but we uh, we do want to finish off. Uh, you guys are more welcome to stay uh, and talk about um, our year in review. Uh, we are going to take next week off as it's going to be uh, what Christmas Day on Monday. Yeah, Christmas Day. So probably not going to have the time to podcast. We're going to be celebrating um, the holidays uh, that day. But we will be back then um, the following Monday. But that will be 2024. We don't want to talk about 2023 in the new year. So, so you're going to podcast on New Year's Day? Yeah, New Year's Day. It'll be fine. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And have time to sleep off. Is a little sneak preview. Um, you probably don't want to miss it as we will have the world's event organizer, Chris Allen on, on that night for the cast to help 
uh, inform us on some very worlds related information that he wants to give out to the community and answer some questions we may have regarding what he has to tell us about for worlds this year. So don't miss that episode. That's awesome. Heck yeah. Uh, so t- definitely stay tuned. Going to be looking forward to another exciting year, another season. And I mean, just another worlds worlds. Uh, uh, looking back at my 2023, uh, Worlds blew me away. Like, we had come back in uh, 2022, uh, me, Dion, uh, James, uh, we did Adepticon in 22 uh, to great success. Not financial success, <laughs> let me tell you, but it was a great tournament uh, for uh, everybody involved. And Marcel even uh, got, uh, second place. Uh, so really, uh, everybody, uh, had a great time and that led into then Adepticon becoming, uh, the, the world's venue for 2023. And, uh, man, seeing everybody, Isophane, uh, getting, uh, those international players to worlds, uh, the the camaraderie uh, that everybody had, and uh, the I just remember the uh, like the finals day. Uh, they had like roped off all the tables, and everybody in the crowd uh, was very excited uh, to see those uh, high competitive matches uh, begin, and that. Uh, just like looking over the crowd and seeing just all these familiar faces from around the world uh, really reminded me again what uh, is possible in X-Wing. And that was just the start to uh, what I think was a, an extremely successful like competitive season. People got hyped after Worlds for store championships and these world qualifiers. So really... Uh, that event, I think, um, was the the spark that uh, 2023 needed uh, to really start off on the competitive season uh, and really get X-Wing just back on the tables and in people in the conversation as uh, obviously um, the year prior uh, having to do with the new rules, but um, I think we had reached that sweet spot this year where uh, people were starting to get that like fear of missing now. They're like, oh man, all my old friends are still playing X-Wing, having a great time. I got to jump in there. They got, uh, and then people, you know, finding these store championships really was uh, the, I think the, like the litmus test of um, is X-Wing still like, a good community and like a good game and uh for me uh that how successful worlds was for the players and the staff everybody working it uh was my highlight and uh of my highlight of the 2023 uh but what about you james what do you th- what would you say your highlight was for 2023 uh, I'd say being able to go to so many different store 
events. Um, and this is also kind of my first uh, real year uh, in uh, in this new community uh, since I moved. So uh, it was nice to get to know a lot of the people here and uh, do a lot of events. And uh, yeah, uh, being able to, uh, I think... For me, the Naboo's being such a big part of the meta, even if they weren't, um, even if it's mostly yeah. just Padme, uh, is pretty cool for me because that's one of my favorite ships. So uh, being able to fly two Naboo's uh, consistently and and like not bad is pretty is pretty cool for me. People weren't like shocked when they saw them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were shocked to see the two the the second one. They're like, oh, okay, well, that's weird. But why do you have two Padmes? <laughs> uh but yeah it was it was a ton of fun awesome what about you ram uh kind of echoing a lot of what was said about worlds um it's definitely very is i think what people underestimate is the fact that in a way it was a very community ran world but basically every official facing person that was in charge in some capacity whether judge event organizer uh in all the titles that i'm probably missing that are very specific to what each person is set to do we're all community members and all people who have committed themselves to being event organizers tournament organizers judges or in some capacity help running events in the past that basically put together an all-star team and ran it like true professionals and on on that side also understood what a lot of events that they've been in in the past on the player side of things uh being that roll better was basically rolled out as its first i think its first major event was worlds right like maybe there was a test event for gsp usage but man what a I mean, beyond maybe I think the general traffic that that's the servers of Roll Better had to deal with, I mean, that worked really awesome and set up a completely whole new software for tournaments, for tournament organizers to use. I know there's a general split between like Roll Better and Longshanks. Both can work. Both have been fine-tuned a little bit here and there from community feedback to make them better. But I think that was a big positive that came out of Worlds for sure was... Uh, you know, we, we had commu basically community-ran worlds that also had a very successful launch overall of a software we still use throughout the entire year of 2023. Um, we also saw the, the tournament structure itself of more Swiss rounds, smaller cut from worlds start to propagate itself across other world open qualifiers too, and to some degree even store champs. Some people adopted the idea of like, Relooking at the, you know, amount of players versus how many rounds of Swiss there should be versus how many people in the cut there should be. Not that I believe that there's a hundred percent right or wrong answer. I think there could be. I've I've talked to people who believe that they feel the old methodology is still a little bit more fun or a little more engaging in the long run for more players to feel like they have a better chance. Versus being, you know, in their mind eliminated earlier on in an event, depending on the size and the the, the tightness of the cut. But um, is interesting to see throughout the whole year. And I'm pretty sure, um, yeah, I, th I think Chris Allen's gonna he, he's pretty good at keeping track 
of the data and information that he can get his hands on from the X-Wing community through List Fortress and whatnot to look at, you know, a whole year of that type of tournament structure, you know, was it a good thing or a bad thing? Did it net, was it a net positive or not? And I think that's something he's probably heavily looking at to make sure how Worlds will be run this year. You know, it was it successful, what needed to be tweaked. Um, and then, you know, obviously just seeing everyone, right? Like getting to go to events, enjoy fun times with, with friends, make new friends, meet people who I didn't got a chance to see. Um, I went to Canada for the first time, like, ever as an adult which was awesome uh beyond finding out that like maybe poutine's not a food for me but i tried it <laughs> it's very heavy stuff um but yeah it was fun to see the canadian crew up there uh, mainly ewok squadron were the guys in the ontario area so yeah it was it was great um it was great to actually go i mean to, to go to a, a different country, albeit within like a two hour drive from me to the event. So it's not crazy a thing, but it's not like, you know, flying across to cross oceans, but still cool uh, to make that trip. And generally found everyone there to be really fun and tournament was well ran. So uh, big props to the Ewok squadron guys to set up that event. I know they were hoping to turn their um, four city open into a world open qualifier. Maybe they'll, have a chance at making that a qualifier for like next year fingers crossed for them i think those are kind of my major highlights just the general seeing friends the success of worlds and how it's sort of snowballed into you know how it's affected other events and then getting it to go to canada that's awesome uh very exciting uh news indeed uh what about uh you Kyle? Do you have any highlights for the 2023 season? Just getting to play with a great team and against really great opponents. I'm losing you, Colin. Can you say that again? Uh, just getting to play with a really great team and against really great opponents. Awesome. Good to hear. Uh, Sean, how about you? Uh, any highlights for 2023? Well, I think the biggest highlight for me was a store championship that I went to in Columbia back in September. And we had trekked over to Raleigh for an event there. And so I wasn't sure what I wanted to fly. Last minute, I threw in the Perko Han list with Duke Boy Luke. Uh, Sabine with Beth Gar and Hull Okend, and somehow ended up winning the event and a world's invite. So I'm still a little bit in shock with that because I don't consider myself at that level of a player. But hey, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, had some great, great games, got to meet some of the folks from the Nickel City X-Wing group. So like JJ and Andrew and, and a few folks like that. So it was just good fun, good community. And, and that would probably be my highlight so far. That's awesome. Uh, Jed, how about yourself? Yeah, really, I think it's kind of two stories. You know, there's the online version, TTS, and then there's the in-person version. Um, 
I mean, online, it's been kind of a crazy year because um, I played a lot on Hexiled Gaming, and then that negative announcement was made, and then Worlds happened, which was positive, and then the, the OP kits were released, and then store championships took place, and Nickel City X-Wing, and just these big swings in events that took place. Um, you know, Dread doesn't officially play in in-person events, but I do have good information that uh, Thomas Anonymous did get a world's invite. So that was a good experience, um, beating Duncan Howard in a final to get that invite. Um, I happened, well, Thomas happened to also be at the uh, store championship where Sean won. So Sean did earn that invite for sure. So uh, I still couldn't point Thomas out in a crowd. I tell you, that yeah, guy is hard to spot. I couldn't either, actually. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's uh, true. I think of X Wing. Um, uh, that the. It's not necessarily a bad thing, actually. Um, the uh, kind of rise of uh, the the in-person play has been fantastic overall for the game and the community. Um, players still out there embracing those store championships, still meeting players, still uh, getting uh, new ships out on the table. Uh, really, it's been fantastic. Uh, Ryan, did you say you had uh, responses? Uh, we wanted to shout out a couple of people who... Um... Yeah, there were some people. I mean, we generally asked uh, GSB community if they had any memorable moments themselves. There were there was a lot more newer or new player responses than I had expected, which is awesome to see. Uh, we got Grusalug. Said he and some buddies in the Great White North. They just got into the game over the summer. They're having a ton of fun. One of them got a world's invite, which made us realize it was even a possibility to then go. Then another one of the their group got an invite that were like, "All right, we're we're going to Worlds." Four of us <laughs> committed to the eight-hour drive. Wow! And nice. then recently, uh, in an event, um, uh, an event needed two more people to show up for a sixteen for a threshold for their store championship. So him and his buddy drove up, threw some lists together. Uh, Rusalag lost in the finals, but the winner wasn't able to go, so the invite got handed down to him. So he got an invite as well. So three of their four-player group, new players, got invites to Worlds, which is awesome to see. Um, we got that dude, 95s, as a newer player, getting started in X-Wing last year. Came across GSP for the first time. Really likes the content. Uh Appreciates, you know, is it our enthusiasm or fed his enthusiasm for X Wing, and won their first casual tournament. Um, says by gaining the insight from watching GSP, uh, it's been more fun now being familiar with the community. Won't be able to make it to Worlds this year, but he's hoping to go in 2025. Uh, yeah, those are some of the new player things, specifically from those players themselves. I mean, there is even a, a 
decent sized story from Nutano saying a, a new Republic player at a World Open qualifier missed getting those that Republic cardboard by like 0.01 strength of schedule Oof. for the final standings. Um, Nutano and other members of the community like banded together to try and like get that player the cardboard for the Republic. So between that and uh, I think they got some Inferno Squadron. Uh, cardboard for another member of their community that was newer and then in the next like more local store champ event was able to get them uh those cardboards which was like a really cool heartfelt like style moment for the community and everyone was like all happy and cheered on that those players got like they were what they were really looking for so lots of really cool wholesome stuff that um a lot signed around new players which is awesome to hear because i know um we hear more often than not people getting concerned about like where are the new players or my community is like on on the down low, which can be true as well, you know. But we're also seeing pockets of areas where stuff is shifting up. Newer players are getting into it. Maybe newer players are already getting into it now. They just haven't gotten to the stores yet, right? Because you every we all have been at that time frame where we got into the game but didn't didn't get to the store yet to play an event. We weren't sure about like if we were experienced enough how to play the game correctly, some people are shy or, you know, social uh, discomfort type of thing. Right. So, you know, those new players are still out there. Right. And just, you know, if you make sure advertise your events, make sure you're a welcoming environment, you'll have those players coming by. That's true. I mean, uh, the, uh, community seems uh, to, uh, constantly have new faces, so always awesome to see um, and hear those stories about them. I mean, I, uh, as you said, Ryan, I, mean, I think we all uh, were nervous about our first events, but I mean, uh, I can only imagine those uh, those players who just got that. Uh, just you know, they're hooked now. They're list building. They're they're prepping. They're excited for worlds. Uh, so I can only imagine the buzz um, around uh, the community. Uh, any, anything else uh, worth mentioning uh, from that? Or something you wanted to highlight? Would be a better way of saying that. No, doesn't sound like it. Or are you just still looking? Uh, just double checking through here. Okay, yeah, no new ones came up. Uh, just uh, <clears throat> um, let's see. Guy has seventy-seven. Uh, another learning to play. Had a friend teach us. Two of us on New on New Year's last year, so like to the day, start of twenty twenty-three. Wow. Pulled two more players on a consistent basis. They're trying to get two to four others into the game. So even new players getting more new players into the game. Um, and a couple of small mentions. Let's see. We got Lou the Lunatic. Um, as I mentioned, when I went up to Canada, he was excited. Uh, favorite moment of the Forest City Open. Got to meet me, and I drove up with Cody Wood. Uh, had some good times. And uh, Psych J7, uh, Nova Open, also enjoyed playing against me for the first time. And really enjoyed casting with Dion on the uh, final day, which I think he did a great job at. Awesome. Awesome to hear. 
yeah. Looking forward to a lot more X-Wing uh, that I can uh, hopefully match um, quite, quite an exciting year for myself. So, uh, yeah, the uh, future looks bright for now. Uh, the uh, next podcast, though, as we were saying, is going to be on the first, uh, though you guys should check out on Wednesdays. We're going to be live on Twitch. And I think in January, what was the exact date, James? January 20, 20 what is LVO? Oh, I uh, now. LVO is going to be uh, January uh, 19th and 20th. 18th, 18th through the 21st. Long weekend. The is that uh, Thursday as well? Well, I think that's when we're... Okay, nineteenth, yeah, nineteenth through twenty-one January. I was like, I was like, oh yeah. man, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, um, it should be Friday and Saturday Swiss, and then cut on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I think it's two Swiss, then cut on uh, Sunday. Yeah, awesome. So we'll we'll be looking forward. Uh, to that last world qualifier for North America this year. Uh, then essentially the end of the store championship in uh, January. And then it's going to be full on worlds prep. So very, <laughs> very exciting. Um, uh, to uh, very exciting events to look forward to on um, the following year. But that's, we'll save all that for our, next podcast when we get Chris on and can talk about uh, what he's cooking up for uh, his next events. But from everybody here at Gold Squadron, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, the ascendancy. You guys joining us. I uh, love to hear uh, about the uh, excitement of the season. I uh, thought everybody did a fantastic job. Big effort uh, from everybody there. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it. And I look forward to crushing you all in the next season. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you. We're all on the same team, though. Ooh, yeah. Quick, Dread, draft all of us again. Uh. I mean, I'll try. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll see where you go. If you're uh, still available, let I think I'll have the 12th I, pick, maybe. I I understand. I understand. Uh, no no pressure. Uh, I gotta fill those factions. You know what I mean. So, but still, gonna be very exciting. Uh, looking forward to the next season uh, playing with and against you guys. But uh, for everybody, yeah, here, should have a great 24 coming, right? A 24? Oh yeah. Yeah, 2024 should be a great year. Very, uh, very excited. We'll catch up with you. Um, I'm losing my train of thought here. It's been a long weekend, but yeah, uh, very, very exciting. So let's close it out. Like I said, check out the streams on Twitch. 
check out uh, the videos on YouTube. We should have the XTC videos. I'll be posting them uh, this week. Uh, nine games, very exciting stuff. So look forward to that. And uh, yeah, um, LVO in January. For everybody here at Gold Squadron, stay safe, stay smart. Gold Squadron out. Thank you to ISO, Danko, Baffle, Trojan, Prophet, Shadow, Tycho, Spice, Raider, Lancer, Fallen, Row 6, 626, Chief, and J-List, our Grand Admiral Patrons. And all of our Gold Squadron patrons and community members, thank you for your support. Gold Squadron, out.